children, you may be excused today. We're going to celebrate communion today, so there's not a children's time today, but you're excused to go and spend time in children's worship. So if I invited you to sit down and make a list of everything you've done in the last 24 hours, how long might your list be? How many things could you list over the last 24 hours? It's amazing to me sometimes how much we can pack into a day. I think you know what I'm talking about. Those days that sometimes you look back and you say, I can't believe that happened earlier today. That this is the same day as when that happened. When so many things happen in a day that you look back and, th and you struggle to take in that it all happened in the same day. I think about those just a few weeks ago, those, those plow drivers who were constantly plowing all that snow, doing what, uh, were they 16, almost 18-hour shifts? They must have been seeing snow all the while. What must it have been to go back over the road and realize, I think I plowed this earlier today? That sense of just constantly doing. Or the student, the student who wakes up and knows that they have three tests to take and takes the tests and, and also the paper that had to be due and, and does all that work. And then in the afternoon, there's that sporting event in, in which you travel an hour away and compete against another school only to race back in time to be present for that band or choir concert that you're part of in that evening and then getting home late that night to do the homework, to start up and do it all again. Where you sit there and say, that's right, I took that test earlier today. Or how about those of us who've, who've traveled Maybe for work or maybe for pleasure where we've, you know, uh, you've been at a conference and uh, maybe you were at a conference in California or Hawaii and you were at a conference this morning, but tonight you're putting your head down on your own pillow at home. That feeling of, that's right, I was in another world earlier today. It's amazing sometimes how much can be fit into 24 hours. And why we're going over this is to express to you that Mark, the gospel writer, is giving us a number of items that seem to have happened in the span of 24 hours. Now, Technically, you could say it could be over two days, starting one morning and finishing the next morning. We would call that two days. Even the Hebrews would call it two days because their day started at the fall of the sun at evening time for us. But in the course of 24 hours, four different events happen. The first event we read about last week when we were together. 
when we read that Jesus immediately came into the synagogue and as he was teaching, there was one there with an unclean spirit and he called out that unclean spirit. That was the first of four events in the span of what is 24 hours or even less. Today, we're going to read the next three and familiarize ourselves with why does Mark package this all together? So let's pray that God would open his word to us. Lord, you know what you are doing through your spirit in this moment. You know what we need to hear, each one of us, you know how we can hear the familiar and yet find something new or be reminded of that which we needed to hear once again. So we pray that your spirit would be with us this moment, opening your word to us that we might take it in. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Mark chapter 1, beginning at the 29th verse. Again, continuing on after Jesus was in the synagogue teaching, we read this. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there you have it. You heard three additional events on top of what we read last week, on top of his time in the synagogue, preaching and teaching and, and having taught as one who has an authority that they hadn't experienced before and 
casting out an unclean spirit. On top of that, just like us, after church we go home and, and maybe have a nice meal together. We read that three other events happen. They, they go home to Simon and Andrew's house, encounter Simon's mother-in-law. That's one additional event. Another event is what happens later that evening when all the town seems to crowd at the door, eager for Jesus to heal or, or cast out. And then there's that final event, the third of our events today and the fourth event overall, that final event where early the next morning, while it's still dark out, while the new day in our mind hasn't yet emerged, early that morning, he goes out to a desolate place and a lone place to pray. And then we have the disciples playing uh, hide-and-seek with Jesus. Three different events on top of the previous event, and Mark seems to package them all in 24 hours. And we need to put on kind of our investigative hat, you know. We need to be kind of like those investigative journalists. Uh, you remember the questions you learn? You know, the who, what, where, when, and finally why? Those questions that we generally ask when we want to convey information, we need to answer who and what and where and when and why. That last one, why, is perhaps the favorite of children, right? That's the one that is always on their hearts, that question of why. Why? They have a thousand questions all around why. We get so engaged in life, we've lived long enough, we've built our patterns and our paths that sometimes we forget the why. We forget why we do what we do when we do it until someone asks us why. We kind of leave why behind, but not our children. Our children are there to ask over and over again, why? And, and don't you love the way they approach things? You give an answer, finally, they, they give a hard question of why. You know, why is the universe the way it is? Uh... And finally, you settle on a good enough answer, and you feel like maybe you've answered the question only to get the next why. Why do I have to clean my room? Because you need to put everything nice and away. Things need to be tidy. It needs to be, you know, so you don't fall over things. Why? Well, if you fall over things, you might hurt yourself. Why? Well, because when you fall, the ground is hard, the floor is hard, and you might fall on something that you didn't pick up, and that might hurt you. Why? It, the question why hangs there. And it is before us today as well. Why does Mark decide to package four different events 
in the flow of one day. What's going on with that? Why is he doing that? We have questions as well about what we read. We, we wonder why, when she was clearly so sick, why does Simon's mother-in-law immediately pop up and begin serving them? How many kind of wondered that, you know? Hey, she was just sick. Or maybe we have the question why when Jesus uh, is casting out the evil spirits, the demons, you know, why is it that we hear that he makes sure that none of them talk because they know who he is? Why does he do that? Or maybe we were wondering why in the event of all those things, when everything seems to be heating up and things seem to be getting exciting, why in the quiet of the morning, when it's still dark off, why does Jesus sneak out and become hard to find? Three questions that, that get us wondering why, but Mark packages them all in a larger context of what happens over the course of 24 hours, and he finishes with Jesus giving a why answer. When they find him and say, hey, everybody's looking for you, he says, let's go on to other towns that I may preach, for this is why I came out. Four different events, all packaged in time, related by the sense that they were at synagogue, they came out of synagogue, the events at synagogue were public enough that that brought townspeople in the evening. All of that was so overwhelming perhaps that Jesus actually leaves early the next morning and in all of that we get this explanation of why let's go to other towns so that I may preach for this is why I came out preach it's not a word that we use often. Okay, fine, we use it in church, but when we use it out in the world, we usually use it in a connotation as, you know, people are preaching to you, speaking to you. Didn't you like that emphasis? Preaching. It's like it came on over, it, it fit the context of preaching. When we're out in the world and someone says they're preaching to you, you feel like they're kind of speaking at you. But what's behind that word is really the idea of this, proclaiming or making people aware. It's about turning the light on and making people aware of what's happening. When something really good happens around us, we, we don't hesitate to share that with others. When there's a tremendous sale at one of our favorite stores, we, we tell our friends that there's a great sale there. When there's a major event that's about to take place, we tell our friends. Jesus is saying that, look, it's, I've, been, I've come 
so that I may tell, that I may proclaim what God is doing. It's about what God is doing. Each of the gospel writers, if you go back and look, is about this in recognizing this is why Jesus came. To tell that God's kingdom is now at hand. That God's love, God's deliverance is now beginning to unfold. That God is beginning to do what he promised would be done. And Jesus is all about that. He's all about telling people what God is doing, which becomes the lens, that idea of proclaiming that reason he came, the reason he was called out. This is why becomes the lens by which we can read back each through each of the events before. When he's in the synagogue, he's teaching. He's taking advantage of an opportunity that is already there where a guest is allowed to proclaim, to teach, to share about God's word. And he does so in a way that is amazing. He speaks with an authority that others haven't heard before. What we lose sight of sometimes, we get caught up in the miracles, the excitement of the healing and the calling out of the evil ones. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's trying to show what he's teaching. What's first and primary is telling people that the love of God has fully come, that God has brought his deliverer into the world. And Jesus is there to tell people. It's amazing, really. What is our response to this? What does that look like? In, when they go quietly into Simon and Andrew's house and James and John join them, one of the things they first share is, you know, Simon's mother-in-law is sick. You know, I, I, we don't know whether they just give that as a matter of information. They, we don't know if it's their, their excuse for why there isn't food ready. But what's powerful about it is that Jesus' proclamation becomes powerfully present in that moment. Rather than just receiving the information, Jesus does this. He comes to her. He takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. So often people experience the church and the Christian faith as a bunch of just telling. Oh, they're always going to talk to you. They're going to preach at you. They're going to tell you who she should be. But what Jesus models 
is he lives out what he's proclaiming. There's a world out there looking for us truly to come to them where they are, to reach into lives when we might want to stay back and to lift up those who are discouraged, frustrated, on a whole different path. Jesus comes, he reaches out, he lifts up, and as he does so, the fever leaves her. And in her, we get the first witness of what the response to Jesus truly looks like. It looks like service. When Jesus truly touches the heart of someone, of any of us, there's a desire to express our gratitude and our appreciation, and she steps up and serves. This is why I came, so that others might hear the good news. We forget the reason why. We're not to be blamed for that. I mean, we get excited about the miracles and all that happens. But the reason he came was to proclaim, to tell what God is doing. It's fascinating. The next thing that happens is that later that evening, later when the sun has gone down, suddenly now everyone is at the door of where Jesus is. And it's a curious thing that happens there. There's this struggle with whether one can be healed on the Sabbath, whether you can do anything but worship God on the Sabbath. And so for the Jewish day, the Jewish day begins at sunset. So when we read that they came in the evening, what we're reading is that the Sabbath has now ended. They're no longer in fear of violating the Sabbath, but yet what is heavy on their hearts is that idea of getting healing for the ones they love, those who are sick, those who are possessed. And they're all, the town brings them all to the door. Our God is a God of love and deliverance. Think about it. Jesus healed on the Sabbath, that first story. And yet people are still so worried about violating that they, they wait the next day, which is later that evening. And Jesus heals and casts out. But a curious thing happens. The demons, they know who he is. This is, by the way, the first time that Mark uses the word demon in his gospel. He goes on to use it another 15 to 17 times. This is the first time he used, that word is used. He casts them out, but he doesn't let them tell who he is because they know who he is, but it says they don't, he doesn't let them tell. Now, to our mindset, that's weird. Why not tell? Why not everybody know that this is Jesus, the Son of God? Why not? 
Have you ever met someone who is famous, larger than life? You kind of act a little different. You maybe behave different around them. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is so intent on the why he came and he wants people to hear the good news of God that he doesn't want people focused on him alone at that moment. He wants them to hear the why. It is so easy for us to forget the why. The why we do what we do. Our mission statement in the church is connecting people to God's family, word, and way of life. Connecting. That's the activity. That's the why. We're about connecting people. And we say God's family because that's often the best way we work as a relational church. But ultimately, the center is God's word because that word is what shapes us as a community of faith. And that word is what instructs us how to go forward and live God's way of life. We get so busy living life together as a church, being a warm and friendly church and doing all of our activities that we need to remember at the same time why we do that. Because at the heart of who we are should always be the God, the restorer, has come in Jesus Christ. If you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're still wrestling with things you know you shouldn't do and keep doing, whatever it may be, this community of faith is to represent the message that God's love is for you. God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ is for you. And then we have that final segment. It's something that Jesus does a few other times we read, where that next morning, early, before the sun's even risen, while it's still dark out, he goes out and finds, it says a desolate place, it could be wilderness, it could be, what we're supposed to have in mind is that which is not easily found, place others aren't going to be. He finds a place to be alone and pray. Jesus, our Lord, went away to pray. He was fully human and fully divine. I got to believe that prayer was largely about staying focused on why he came. The ministry's begun. 
He's entered a synagogue. He's taught, and others are amazed at his authority. He's cast out an evil spirit. He's gone, and, and his disciples have had a front row seat to the love and care and direct interaction with Simon's mother-in-law. And then the whole town shows up, and he, he heals, and he casts out, and, and his name is growing, and people are coming. But his responsibility... The reason why he came was to proclaim God's good news. His work up to the cross was proclaiming God's love and good news, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember what one of the temptations was that the, the devil gave him way at the start was that, hey, if you worship me, I'll give you all the world. Everyone will worship you. And Jesus casts that aside. The time for him to be worshiped by all is now and will certainly come with the second coming. But during this time, he was all about the message. And it was time to go somewhere new and share with someone who hadn't yet heard. As the church of Jesus Christ, let us not forgive that as in much we are a family of love wound together and communing together through Christ, that we still carry the burden of sharing God's good news that Jesus has come, and in him you can have the forgiveness of your sins, past, present, and future. In him and through him you can live in the grace of God and be welcomed home, for that is why he came. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Help us. Sometimes we make the simple complex. Help us to remember the why that others may know. It's so easy for us to hope that they'll know through our actions, but ultimately, Lord, we have a burden and a responsibility to share the good news that we've discovered. Help us to share why Jesus came. In your name we pray. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.